penis is twice as long as you think? This might come as comforting news to some. But I, I think it's just uh, fantastic. I, I, I absolutely applaud what... Absolutely terrific. Made with the goodness from your meat. Your penis is twice as long as you think. Thickens all in one delicious go. It's a miracle, of course, but a great thing through me was. Yeah, oh, what a horse. It's a miracle, of course, but a great thing through me was. You protect us from our enemy. Oh, yeah. Bring us peace and prosperity. Oh, yeah. You give us satisfaction. Oh, yeah. You're Attraction. Yeah, nah. You're a fabulous creature. Oh, yeah. Happy to meet you. Oh, yeah. You're a piece for the eye. Oh, yeah. You're a piece from the skies. How do my lovely old listeners? It's Chappie, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese has returned again, safe from any fireworks or bonfire accidents. I really do miss uh, bonfire night. I haven't had a bonfire night probably in 25, maybe 30 years, and I'm very, very nostalgic to, towards it. So, growing a little bit of a little bit of scruff here. I don't think I could do a uh, Clint Eastwood and light a match on this scruff right now. And I'm not doing the uh, the Movember. Because here's the thing. You know, when my hair is neatly combed down with uh, a little bit of wax or pomade or something of the like, it's fine. If I wake up in the morning, I had a big old, if I had a big old curly moustache and the curly locks, I would be straight out of uh, a porno from the 1970s. And I do not really uh, aspire uh, for the uh, curly locks with the uh, with the moustache. Yeah, just don't. Just doesn't befit me. I don't think. As with autumn here in Colorado, you can see the snow-capped peaks. I mean, that they've had a, such a splurge of snow here. Uh, they've been coated uh, with uh, several foot of snow up in all the ski areas here. Uh, so it's that sort of juxtaposition between the red, brown, and orange, golden autumn leaves, and then you've got the uh, snow-capped peaks here. It really is a, a phenomenal sight, a wonderful place to be. And uh, I had a lovely time on uh, Friday night uh, seeing Elton John, his last, his 24th, I believe, and last appearance here in Denver. He's played various, various shows over the years. He loves Denver. He recorded four of his albums, including Caribou, at the Netherlands Rance Norfolk Boulder and uh, has a real affinity um, and and it was pure luck that the Houston Astros got into the World Series and the uh, event that he was having the concert he was having on the 4th of November was cancelled because they would have played baseball there and uh, it was uh, rescheduled for Denver so I had a fabulous time and 
75-year-old man doing a three-hour set, lots of very, very intricate piano playing, singing at the same time. What stamina. And then he sort of shuffled around on the stage. Beautiful sort of uh, bedazzled, bejeweled, glittery morning coat he was wearing as well. And he went for his whole repertoire. It was one of the best nights. Musically, one of the best nights I've ever seen. And what a performer. And probably one of his last concerts. I think his last concert's actually in May. So I put a little clip of uh, the beginning of Benny the Jets when he's hammering out the beginning of Benny and the Jets. And uh, it is an evening that I'll never forget. And his music truly has come to life. He also uh, brought alive the ruffle shirt. Now, I thought the ruffle shirt went out with Austin Powers and George Lazenby and Her Majesty's Secret Service. I do love a ruffle. Ivory powder blue. Elton had a pink ruffle on. Now, I think the ruffle shirt could be coming back, and I'm quite excited about it. The problem is, where do you wear a tux anymore other than a wedding? I mean, back in the day, everybody used to have, I mean, we used to dress up in tuxes for uh, debating competitions. When I first introduced to Brandy. And by God, Brandy gives you the worst hangover. When you're an 18-year-old boy and you're drinking Brandy, just a warning to you. If that's your first tipple, well, you know, back in the day, we're allowed in the pub at about 15 or 16. If that's your first tipple, then, you know, just be very, very careful indeed. Because uh, it really does give you a hell of a pounding headache the next day. Some of the things that we may or may not be discussing on the podcast today. And a little recap from the other day. I'm amazed sometimes with the efficiency of Americans. And I saw a van leaf repository that had a van vacuum in it to suck up all the leaves. We talked about that on the podcast. We talked about the chocolate bomb. Where just a little, a little piece a small drip of, uh, of hot milk makes the chocolate bomb explode into a beautiful hot chocolate with marshmallows on the top. We talked about that. The Thanksgiving crisp created by Trader Joe's that's so, so addictive, but just make sure you're on your own, you're Sulamont for at least 12 hours because um, it, it's like eating the world's biggest baked beans, which we will be talking about today. You just have to be careful. You need to get that yellow hazard tape and put that round yourself for at least 12 hours, I think. I cut my tongue on steel oats the other day. I want to talk about the, um, the abrasiveness, the sharpness of a steel oat. Do tacos, tacos exist in the UK? Uh, I had a visitor peer through the window. When I was at the concert, so a little bit of concert chat here. Uh, fearful if you're right on the end of weak bladdered neighbours. Yeah, we had some weak bladdered neighbors here to keep getting up. That's your exercise, getting up and then trying not to knock your drink over. It is a very, very tight seat. Um, had a little bit of unfortunate uh, situation the other day. I mentioned it in the show, I never got round to it, where I've uh, discovered a new yoga move that really gets the blood flowing. Um, also, my extra long, deadly third toenail. Um, we uh, never talked about the uh, mashed potato castle the other day. Well, we never talked about that as well. Um, when did the chef's kiss become a thing? Um, I saw a autumnal treat, an autumnal tradition. Um, it was men in the back garden. What do you think they were gathering around? We'll be talking about that. Rate My Plate has some pies and 
pies and uh, peas. Um, also, Twitter was asking me a couple of questions. I've never got a survey from Twitter before, but it was asking me about rather expensive handbags. So we'll be talking about that uh, as well before the end of your program. This is the Sunday edition, the Sunday sermon of the podcast. A little bit lower, a little bit slower uh, for you today. If you need to nip away and go to church and do any sort of confessional, um, you can you can you can knock on the door here. I will uh, I will open up the confessional box for you, and you can give me your confession to Vicar Chappie. I, I do promise you though, we'll drink half a half a bottle of sherry before we get to the confessional. So uh, hopefully that'll get you in the mood for some rather raunchy confessions. Miss Bonfire Night on the podcast uh, the other day. But it made me think, this time of year, you have some phenomenal carb-laden treats, don't you? So Bonfire Night in the UK, remember, remember the 5th of November, where Guy Fawkes tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament. I believe it was in 1665 or 1666. I believe it was. So when it's Bonfire Night, you start to hear the fireworks and smell the smoke of the bonfires in the air. But what do you eat on Bonfire Night? And what's the history behind the recipe, the traditional bonfire night recipes? While you enjoy the bonfires glowing whiz-bang, the crackle of fireworks in the distance, you also love the food, especially the recipes. So one of my favorites I used to go to, all of them had it in the 80s. It was baked potatoes that I hope were roasted or, you know, and, 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 and browned at the bottom of the bonfire. Um... And they're wrapped in foil and you cut them open beautiful large knob of butter wooden fork and you've got the unctions unctions of the butter and the beautiful fluffiness of the potato um, but it wasn't until the 19th century jacket potatoes became popular in the uk they sell on the streets of london during autumn and winter by hawks a vendor of merchandises believe that 10 tons of baked potatoes were sold each day by this method. So the cooking method for the baked potato, wash and wrap the potato in foil, add a pinch of salt, place in the bonfire, careful not to burn yourself, use a long stick to get it back out after an hour and check on it and place it back into the bonfire if it needs longer. Any topping of your wish. Uh, butter and cheese though. Creaminess, unctuousness, lovely. The traditional Yorkshire parking. A fabulous traditional bonfire night food. Yorkshire Park in a cake traditionally made of oatmeal and black treacle and eaten mainly around the bonfire season. Believed to be originated in Northern England associated with Yorkshire. Nobody knows its precise origins. So this is over a gentle heat, soft butter, soft dark brown sugar, black treacle, golden syrup, not too hot to bubble, large mixing bowl, medium oatmeal. Uh, then you put the flour in, ground ginger, Make a well in the center, add the melted butter to that well, pour in two medium eggs, uh, some milk, combine together, leave in the tin for 20 minutes. So easy. Traditional, gingery, cinnamony, uh, Yorkshire parking. Traditional toffee apples. The toffee apple loved bon traditional bonfire night food by many children and adults alike. More misleading name, but the Americans have it spot on with the candy apple. Traditionally, the apple will be coated in cinnamon, sugar candy coating. Uh, William 
Kolb invented the red toffee apple. He was experimenting in the sweet shop and thought to dip an apple in red cinnamon sugar candy coating to accommodate for the Christmas trade. And then he sold them in batches for five cents apiece. He carried on selling thousands each year. Not surprising how easy it is to make toffee apples. Appealing for Halloween, bonfire night, all through the autumn and winter months. Traditional Lancashire black peas. The traditional bonfire black peas is a must treat for bonfire night parties. These peas have been called various other names such as maple peas or parched peas. The trick with the peas is that for nostalgic memory is cooking them, bringing them to a boil. It's believed they originated in the great gardens of early monasteries with great blossoms. The plant grew rather high. These were mainly eaten in, around the end of the season, running from October. Perfect food for a bonfire night party. Soak the peas, boil them till they reach mushy uh, consistency. Drain the peas, add back to an empty pan, add roughly a cup of water, bring to a boil, simmer down again. Pinch of salt, vegetable stock, bouillon powder, apple cider vinegar and simmer. And then the traditional bonfire night toffee. Hard and brittle, many years over the many names over the years. The locals often say Tom Trot, Treacle Toffee, uh, toffee mainly eaten in the bonfire season, often during Halloween and all through autumn and winter. If you visit Scotland, they call it Clagham, Wales Losh and Do. One of the recipes you cannot miss out on: Demerara sugar, golden syrup, black treacle in a pan, low heat, dissolve, lid on pan, bring to a boil, butter the square tin, remove the lid. Resume to boil 10 or 15 minutes, add a cup of cold water, drop a little bit of mixture. If it separates into brittle threads, it's ready. Pour into the tin and leave to set. And then the delicious sausage roll. Classic sausage roll. Perfect savory pastry snack for Guy Fawkes night. Sausage meat wrapped in puff pastry, popular in all Commonwealth nations. We've been wrapping meat or other food mixtures in doughs since the classic Greek and Roman areas. A sausage roll is no exception. Filled with sausage meat, much-loved snack in England, according, uh, you know, according to Wikipedia, and in London during the Napoleonic War, sausage was eaten, flaky pastry became a loved, a very much-loved food. So line a baking tray. Uh, Richmond sausages are your best bangers. Get a bowl, cut the skin off the sausages, mushing the 16 sausage in, in the bowl, uh, add every extra ingredients such as stuffing or other foods you like. Get the puff pastry ready rolled. Roll it out to two thin strips. Cut down the middle. And all you need to do is divide the sausage mixture onto the pastry and then roll it up. Egg brush all over the pastry line. You cut them into delicious sections. Cook for 20 to 25 minutes. So many things I miss, but the common or garden sausage roll is one of the things I miss from the UK the most. I think I have a very, very sensitive tongue. So the other day, I mean, we had like a porridge oatmeal special a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I, you know, I like the quick oats, the convenience, but nothing is better than the breaking down of the, uh, the old fashioned porridge oat. So I tried uh, the other day, the steel cut oats, where they take the sort of harmed kernel Cut it in half with a you know steel cutter, and that is, and it takes quite a while, probably 20, 25 minutes to cook. And uh, the other day I was eating this, it's sort of a nuttiness, more nuttiness to the oatmeal than anything else. And I cut my tongue on the uh, on the uh, on the oatmeal, the steel cut oats. And I think I must have one of the most sensitive tongues, and there's nothing worse than 
eating a delicious oatmeal, creamy oatmeal with a bleeding tongue. So I just warn you when you go out there and you get the steel oats, it's meant to be very, very good for you, this sort of hard kernel steel oats. Just be very, very careful on the, uh, on the tongue because it's like death by a thousand steel cut oat cuts. You just don't want that. Question I asked the other day, anybody traveling to the UK, Americans traveling to the UK, is do they have tacos, tacos in the UK? And I thought I discovered somewhere that has, uh, that has the tacos. And I showed a picture of the tacos to my love. And she, she says, they're just not tacos. I think she was just a little bit scared about the, it almost looked like a uh, whole wheat naan bread instead of a uh, uh, hard shell or soft shell ta- uh, tortilla. Uh, yeah, and I think the, uh, the, <laughs> the flaky naan bread probably scared her off a little bit. I was sitting at my lectern here at Champy Towers the other day doing some work. I love casting my eye out over to the mountains, all the leaves changing and everybody going about their duty. Like the guy who I see running every morning and he needs to stop every five or uh, ten seconds to vape. I mean, I don't know what he is, but it, sounds, it smells like candy corn. He's, he's vaping this candy corn and trying to run at the same time. So I don't think his heart rate is probably getting a, a, above 70 beats per minute. So I'm looking at all these things. But the other day, I heard a banging and crashing outside the window. And who peered in the window? A huge gray squirrel. And it's just like looking at me for like a minute. Our eyes casting back and forth, looking at each other. You know, it looking, what are you doing? Why don't you just out gathering nuts for winter and hibernation and then it turned around and this squirrel literally had had the biggest balls i've ever seen it was a big ball beauty beastly squirrel and um you know it's one thing it looking at me that sort of perturbed me slightly but seeing the size of this squirrel's balls no wonder the uh, romans used to feast on them that's uh that's sort of the early <laughs> that's the early iteration of meatballs For, you know forget the red sauce you've got your balls there and that squirrel i mean that was uh that that squirrel could make it into the movies that could be the dirk diggler of uh, deviant squirrels there's no doubt i haven't seen it since i'm sort of hoping that i'll see this squirrel again the big ball bombastic the lothario of the trees there's a lovely twitter handle that is, I love nostalgia. And I saw this the other day. It was, um, this is back from the 70s and 80s growing up, where a few people had showers. People still sort of bathed and used a big old cup or mug to wash off the soap from their hair. But something that my mum and dad, you know, I think it was like state of the art back in the day. And you could uh, slip these onto the taps. You had a shower item that uh, you could attach to the taps. It was some rubber suction things and you attach it to the left and right tap and it gave you a portable shower, um, you know, sort of a V-shaped pipe thing with the shower head on the end. And you could sit in the bath, you could put this on, but the trouble is often you were sitting in the bath, you know, you put the bath on, you put these on, you know, strap these uh, suction rubber things to the taps to get your showering device ready to go ready for action 
And uh, if there's a bit too much pressure coming off the tap, then uh, the suction cup would burst off and you would be sprayed with boiling hot water. So it was quite a tempestuous, dangerous event trying to uh, trying to trying to have a shower um, whilst holding on to these rubber suction things onto the end of the taps. I mean, it could cause you all sorts of serious burning issues. And so that was bad. Uh, but then if the cold one came off, you have a beautifully warm bath and then you're sprayed with freezing cold water. And I think as the rubber begins to perish, uh, so did uh, so did the whole uh, setup and arrangement where you'd have to be holding you know, holding this shower piece with one hand and holding your, um, you know, the rubber suction piece onto the tap to avoid any third degree burns. So anyway, so this is this is on Twitter, and this is some of the responses here on Twitter. Never fit the tap correctly, and always found a way, like a water fountain, onto the only thing you didn't want to get wet. These are really necessary for such British design. Apparently, separate faucets date back to the days when it was necessary to prevent contamination. My parents had to prime a pump to get well water. Live with my grand. She got water out of the well with a bucket. That was a big step up. So the thing that attached to the uh, taps was a big step up from the tin bath. And then another writer said, you always get scolded by the hot tap when the rubber piece falls off and then you wheel in a a death trap gas heater to keep the bathroom warm. Health and safety out of the window in the 1980s. Compared to having my head shoved in a sink and jugs of water chucked over it, this was a luxury item. Puzzling then suddenly record a QI discussion about why the hot water, hot and cold water use, use separate taps in Britain. To my knowledge, we never had such a thing in North America, have learned something new today. This is why English homes have two taps. In the UK, there's a law that prohibits mixing cold water and hot water from their separate boilers, one for cold water in the attic and for drinking, and one for hot water downstairs, which is not drinkable. If the taps were turned on fast, the rubber would blow them off, so you have to push them back on and hold them on. Either fell off mid-wash, or a jet of water shone out of the top and soaked the walls. I recall rigging up a clever way of tying them on. It lasted about 30 seconds, and my dearest mother still uses them today. Seeing a big bald squirrel may may make you jealous, but listening to birdsong may be the key to feeling chirpy. Listening to birdsong for a few minutes each day may hold the key to feeling happy. Scientists found that watching birds and enjoying their chorus lifts the spirits up for eight hours and can ease depression. They said bird life has a major role to play in helping people with mental health conditions, highlighting the importance to maintain biodiversity. The study by King's College London involved 1,292 people who were asked three times a day whether they could see or hear birds about their mental well-being. The team found that among them, among those were mental health conditions Hearing or seeing bird life was associated with improvements in mood and happiness. 
healthy people also experiencing a similar effect with improvements lasting up for eight hours. The team said the links between the birds and improved mental well-being could not be explained by other environmental factors such as trees, plants or waterways. This suggests birdsong in itself brings joy and helps reduce the stress and sadness. Professor Andrea McKelly, the lead author of the study and psychiatrist at the King's College London, said our study provides evidence based for creating and supporting biodiverse spaces that harbour bird life. This is strongly linked to our good mental health. In addition, the findings support the implementation of measures to increase opportunities for free people to come across bird life, particularly those living with mental health conditions. In the Urban Mind app, we have for the first time showed the direct link between seeing or hearing birds and positive moods. We hope this evidence can demonstrate the importance of protecting and providing environments to encourage birds, not only for biodiversity, but for our own mental health. Joe Gibbon said, who hasn't turned into the melodic complexities of the dawn chorus early on a spring morning, a multi-sensory experience that seems to enrich every day's life. Whatever our mood or whereabouts, this exciting research underpins just how much the sight and sound of birdsong lifts the spirits. It captures intriguing evidence that a biodiverse environment is restorative in terms of mental well-being that the sensual stimulation of birdsong, part those daily doses of nature, is precious and time-lasting. Birdsong in the UK peaks in spring during the mating season with the dawn chorus and falls in winter except for robins and wrens, which can be heard right through the coldest months. Thrushes, dunnocks and tits join in as the days lengthen. And we have some uh, very good news today. Hopes have been raised that a man who dresses in a rubber bondage costume to stalk villages could finally be unmasked after police arrested the suspect. Officers went to the village of Cleve, North Somerset, on Monday morning after receiving a report of a man wearing dark clothing, full face, uh, confronting two men. Uh, more than Since 2019, more than 16 reports have been made of a man wearing a head-to-toe gimp suit uh, spreading fear in the northwest. Or southwest, sorry. Somerset Gimp Man approached a lady. It's the most terrifying experience ever. Touching his groin, grunting and breathing heavily. And the heavy breathing could be because he can't breathe because there's no airways in the gimp suit. I mean, did he have that ball in his mouth, the ball and chain thing in his mouth as well? That could be why he's breathing heavily. Or he may, maybe he had too much of the Somerset, uh, Somerset Cinema booties. If he's been doing this 2019, can you go and get a gimp suit dry cleaned? Because I imagine that's very, very sweaty. We could do the old thing we do do at university. Not that we wore gimp suits at university, but with the underwear, you just turn it inside out. Can you turn a gimp suit inside out? Can you, like, hose it down? Because that's going to be very sweaty, very rubbery. Let's hope the guy didn't get a rubber rash. So a little guess this sound. Try to guess this sound. You dear listeners. Okay, so that was the surreal scenes as glittering orbs bigger than the car cars roll down the road after blowing down in strong winds now this wasn't the squirrels balls these weren't the squirrels giant orbs outsized baubles 
from a display of calls chaos in London Tottenham Court Road after rolling into traffic. In a video posted on social media, the balls were shown rolling down the street, Christmas coming early, with rolling balls because of the high winds as passing cars attempted to avoid them. The footage, believed to have been captured in the early hours of Monday, shows uh, silver and white baubles larger than the cars themselves rolling serenely down the street. It comes with the Met Office issued a warning of strong winds, November getting off to a blustery start. Could the runaway balls be Prince Andrew? Somebody also suggested each ball contained a migrant blown off from the coast in choppy seas. They used baubles to get across the other side of the channel. So if you ever attend a concert, do you like to sit on the end or do you like to sit in the middle? I mean, I like to be on the end so I can go to the bathroom. The trouble is though, if you have weak-bladdered neighbors sitting next to you, you're getting up, you know, you're getting up and down like Burnham donkeys <laughs> for the entire performance. Um, but it did make me laugh. Somebody brought a huge jug of beer back to their seat at the Elton John concert the other day, and then he was sitting down and then knocked it over with his foot. So the poor fellow had to get out again and go and get another jug of beer. Not as bad as when I went to see Taylor Swift a few years ago, and uh, probably saying this, you deserve this going to see Taylor Swift. But no, I um, I was sort of uh, sitting down. There was a lady behind me, completely inebriated, drinking a beer. And I leant forward to pick something up. And this lady must have like accidentally knocked the beer. And then I had half a pint of very, very cold beer slide down my back, down my ass crack. So I got a nice uh, refreshed feeling right down below there when the uh, cool beer trickled right into the crack there, down the pants. It was a beer that reached parts that most beers cannot reach. So we talked about the other day, the Lemur with its extra long middle finger is very adept at picking its nose. Fantastic at picking its nose. And then we discovered that uh, you know if you pick your nose and eat it, it may uh, help with uh, tooth decay and something else. But and I was reading something out the other day it's amazing how these articles start popping up. Can nose picking damage your nose and trigger Alzheimer's? Incredibly unlikely. Scientific reports study that found out that uh, chlamydia uh, pneumonia leads to Alzheimer's or dementia. Instead, it's aimed to determine the probability that repeated intrusion in the nasal mucoa would give infectious agents the means to reach the brain through the olfactory nerve, which few degrees away from developing the actual condition. What they're suggesting that individuals with repeated violations of the nasal mucoa have a high enough probability of bacteria and viruses migrating to the brain and potentially uh, alleviating the inflammatory state, the, the potential of inducing neurodegeneration. In other words, the study lays out theatrical scenarios of how bacteria could trigger Alzheimer's, though it doesn't answer whether picking your nose can be the cause. There's three conclusions. First, it only included mice during the studies. So I don't know that those little pores, can those little pores pick those little nasal passages? Probably not. It would take 3,000 times more infectious agents to damage the olfactory mucoa in a larger subject. The second issue, that the study does not address whether the human immune system is more capable of responding to airborne or environmental agents that cause the damage. And then neuroscientists involved in the research were not watching the mice for hours as they picked their nose. I mean, I imagine it could be quite a, uh, quite a relaxing experience watching a little, 
little mouse or rat pick its little nose. The experimental model involved inserting enough bacteria into the mice's nose, breaking the nasal mucoa, which is not how people naturally encounter the foreign pathogens. So can you pick your nose to the heart's content? Well, the Lemur is. I'm just wondering if the Lemur gives itself early Alzheimer's because of that extra long nail and claw is probably scratching the brain at the same time. I leave this topic with you here. Do you find that you get more bogeys if you eat spicy food or very fragrant or pungent food? I seem to get more bogeys, and it may be because I have a long uh, snack here, but whenever I eat spicy food or food that's more flavorsome or has a very, very hearty taste, I get more bogeys. So many children may win nose-picking competitions, but a former comedian who defied the odds to win the world's stinging nettle-eating competitions despite never have eaten one reckons he'll defend his crown next year. Mad Liverpudlian adventurer Niall Purcell has previously competed in the shin-kicking tournament, the world's heavy metal knitting championships and the world pig-squealing cup. However, after losing each time and learning from his mistakes, the YouTuber triumphed at the nettle competition in Dorset, beating out the prickly competition. Detailing his experience on his YouTube channel, Nonstop Nile, he went through weeks of rigorous training to prepare for the event. His regime included attempting to eat a bucket load of spinach before throwing up on it with about half of it left to consume and dressing up like a giant nettle bush. He also hilariously jumped into the nettle bush hoping he'd be immune to the stings. He was not. The challenge itself was 30 minutes long and he consumed 54 foot of nettles. Nettle competitions are measured in feet and branches broken into two foot strips. The idea is you have to eat all the stinging nettles off the leaves and the one who eats the most leaves wins. So having never eaten the nasty plant before, how did it feel when he put the first leaf in his mouth? I'm intensely competitive. I made such a big deal out of the fact I was doing this, so there was a lot riding on it. I don't want to be any more of the laughing stock down the pub than I already am, so it's like once you're in it, you're committed and you've got the power through. We've got some tricks of our sleeves. A friend of mine along with took along some dock leaves so I could eat a little bit of the dock leaf every time to try to see whether or not it would help, which it didn't at all. But within your certain zone, you're surrounded by a crowd. It's really lovely enthusiasm. It nullifies it a bit. Obviously, my lips were set on fire. My fingers felt they were swollen up horrendously. Niall hasn't ruled out returning next year to defend his title. Part in the challenge ahead of some random challenges around the world over the next 12 months. Going back to the nettles, Niall wouldn't be drawn on how his bowels were in the days after the event. Although he did call it a great detox diet. Be still my beating heart. It's that time of year when supermarkets start to release their Christmas food selection and Aldi in the UK has not disappointed. The Value Supermarket has announced a faint Yorkshire pudding filled with a huge pig blanket that we want to devour right now. The Laces offering from the popular supermarket features a 380 gram Yorkshire pudding with a giant two foot pig in a blanket coiled ready up, ready for gallons of gravy and a meal in its own right. Aldi released a new product as a side, but we could all see this sitting and be ready for a new Christmas menu, especially if it with the bird flu, a giant pig in the blanket could be the way forward instead of turkey. It's one of the menu's fantastic new offerings. They have posh pork and truffle flavored pigs in blankets, 
truffle-infused sausage meat wrapped in smoke-cured bacon. Forget a weighted blanket. Forget the duvet this year. I want this huge pig in a blanket. It's 380 grams Yorkshire pudding and two-foot pig in the blanket. That's what's going to keep me warm this year and then just be smothered with the gravy. And the mutiny expels bounty chocolates from the celebration box. They've long been the marmite of chocolate bars. I disagree with that. Now the makers of bounty bars have recognized the divisive nature of their product by trialing a bounty-free box of celebrations. Mars Wrigley said the researcher found that the bounty bars were often the last to be taken out of the selection boxes. No, no, it's the orange cream and all the coffee cream. That's the last. Two-thirds of customers had family arguments if the coconut treats were left. The company said that the bounty-free tubs would contain extra miles, Snickers, Milky Ways, Galaxy, Maltese chocolates. The move could trigger mutiny on the bounty. However, one in five customers said the bounty bars were their favorites of the eight chocolates. This could be like a civil war. The Roundheads versus the Cavaliers. The Toffee Pennies versus the delicious Green Triangles. Well, that, that, that's Quality Street, isn't it? The thing with the bounty, though, if you have even the, the smallest of bounty, first of all, I don't know how the dark chocolate bounty survived over the years. That's, that's absolutely hideous. But the milk chocolate bounty, one of the best things in the world is chewing off the sides and the top of the chocolate first. And then you lead yourself a nice rectangular of sweet coconut. And I tell you that, if you try that, that's going to give you a whole new impression of eating a bounty. The thing is, though, as you get a little bit older, that coconut's going to be stuck in the teeth for about five days. Bloody old job. So I've seen somebody else has just... Uh, these are, they've just dropped off some very nice couches, although there's a slightly suspicious stain going down the middle. I thought they were nice. I thought I might lug them upstairs, but there is a... Um, quite a... Yeah, quite a... Quite a substantial protein-like looking stain just outside her chappy towers next to the skip. Another couch comes, uh, you know, the quality of the people living around you is, you know, the rubbish that they dump. Anyway, so the other day, I've invented a new yoga move. I was walking along, it was a little bit boggy after the snow. I was walking along with the dogs and then all of a sudden... You know, these were nostrils free of bogey. So, you know, no Lamar-type nose-picking with my uh, inserted uh, long middle fingernail. Although I actually do have my... Th the third toenail that I have is very, very long. I mean, I almost could start plucking a tar with it. I don't know why it grows at a more rapid rate than the other ones. Anyway, I digress here. I digress. As I was walking along... And uh, the, the smell that reached the nasal passages was, was horrible. I lifted up my left foot and it was caked with dog shit. Doggy doo-doo. Yep, it all caked there. And, you know, I had a, a very substantial training shoe with good grip on it. You know, for all the athletic uh, endeavors that I undertake every day, I need something that has a good grip to it. But anyway, the good grip has grip to all that doggy doo-doo, that awful... Uh, the brown stickiness of it all so i thought well i need to find myself a poop stick i mean one should probably carry a poop stick if you are into dog walking so i uh, i found a poop stick that had a rather sharp end and then i was like hopping around so 
they say if you're like under 40 you should be able to balance on one leg for about 15 seconds yeah that wasn't happening so i was trying to scrape off uh all the dirt and umska the dirty brown sticky shit off my shoe with a sharpened poop stick uh hopping around falling over and i thought well i need a then i found a good solid tree trunk to lean against and I could really get it in there. I could really get that sharp stick right in there. And I did a you know, pretty good job of uh, of removing all of it. But I, I honestly think this, this hopping around with the poop stick should become a new yoga move. I think this sort of sticks it a balance you out a little bit. Uh, there was a lot of blood rushing uh, and, a, and, and, and a terrible amount of anger, I have to say. So it's probably not the most relaxing yoga move when you've got a whole pile caked onto your uh, your training shoe and then you're and then you're trying to find a uh, poop stick to remove it all but i have to say after the walk the shoe looked remarkably clean and then i discovered myself a new hopping poop stick yoga move thank you very much for listening to the podcast today it has been marvelous having you here and for your company this week and every week when we have these two editions of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. If you like the program, though, get your long extended middle finger. If you've got a Lamar claw, or if you've just started picking your finger, maybe just wipe it off. If you started wipe, you know, picking your nose, wipe it off, and then you can like and subscribe to the podcast, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, on all platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. There's editions of the podcast on Slacker, Breaker, Pandora, Audible. You can listen on uh, Google Podcasts. You can listen on Amazon Music. You can listen everywhere. As I use that poop stick to scrape off that nasty waste, as you hear the scraping against the rubber sole of the training shoe, I could hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the dog shit. If you like music, though, the Butler Emporium Musical Playlist Edition has such wonders as The Bitches Back, Elton John, Pretenders Don't Get Me Wrong, Hope for the Future, Bastille. We have some Shelby Lynn, Bend. Uh, we also have some Ping Pong, Stereo Lab, some Saint-Étienne, some uh, Lorraine Brown for you, some Frank Sinatra, and some lovely Yacht Rock to sail into that autumnal sunset fall. Coming up next, we have a poem. This is the Autumn Bonfire. Light comes now as if a rumour and gently undermines the dark, sowing silver threads that glimmer along the branches slim and stark. Trees aloof and stern as mourners shed last leaves with flea and throngs of rustling clouds to cobweb corners, rasping, sighing, dying songs, heaped in children's weightless armfuls, crisp dry leaves pile higher and higher till booted fathers, calm and cheerful, Strike the match and stir the fire. Sparks aglow like gilded fishes leap through the skies as black as tar, bearing all our hopes and wishes to gods as small as distant stars. I will be back again for two more editions of the podcast as we go like a sleigh through the snow towards the Christmas season. Until next time, have a lovely, lovely week, and thanks for listening. Cheerio! penis is twice as long as you think this might come as comforting news to some but I-, I think it's just uh, fantastic I-, I-, I absolutely applaud what <laughs> oh,
darling. What a lovely surprise. I wasn't expecting you. Absolutely terrific. Made with the goodness from your meat. Your penis is twice as long as you think. Thickens all in one delicious go. It's a miracle, of course, but a great thing through me was. Yeah, oh, what a horse. It's a miracle, of course, but a great thing through me was. You protect us from our enemy. Oh, yeah. Bring us peace and prosperity. Oh, yeah. You give us satisfaction. Oh, yeah. You're a tourist attraction. Yeah, You're a fabulous creature. Oh, yeah. Happy to meet you. Oh, yeah.